You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. edition. I am your host, Erica Lenz. My co-host today is the already drunk Valerie Willis. Don't say anything else. Yes, Don't no forget way. to let oh, like you cannot control it. I was just, I just wish the Zoom lady that talks to us that they could hear her. That's all I wanted. I just want to voice that. Like we should be able to hit buttons and make her talk for us. For you on for, the podcast. Us. Us. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to ignore everything you're saying right now. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe. I promise I won't have Val on any further episodes. Just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, and our sponsor today is Skunk Brothers Spirits, coupon code DWA10. And our guest today, very lucky, second time on the show, but now a Bram Stoker Award winner, Jeff Strand. Woo! Woo! Let's talk about what we're drinking, shall we? I have the remnants of my um, orange and elderberry and vodka. Orange and elderberry juice with vodka. I have just a little bit left. It's super awesome. Valerie, what are you drunk on right now? Uh, that's, it's a mix. I, it's a concoction. Of <laughs> the, I know you guys have seen me do the weird strawberry margarita mix stuff of 13% something alcohol. And then I try to cut it in half with some cranberry tropical stuff. But then I'm like, who are you talking to? I'm talking to my cup. (laughs) (laughs) I I have to look at it to remember what I put into this little solo cup. The color matches the the outside of the cup. It's, (laughs) I should have eaten something before I started. Yeah, you should have. Jeff, what are you drinking that is not nearly as detrimental as what she's drinking? I have been nursing this can of liquid death, which is water. It is perfectly normal can of water, but oh, it is marketed beautifully. Liquid death, murder your thirst. It has like a whole slasher movie description of how this water came to be, but it is a well-marketed can of water. That and it's very theme centric with the horror writerness that you yeah. are. So I it every time I see it, I'm like, oh, that looks cool. But it, it is a can of water, and I can't justify it. But then it's like, well, I'm on the drinking with authors podcast. Why not go for it? Why not pay dollar seventy nine for a can of water? And you just I covered some cool stuff uh, yeah. on here because of that. So. Thank you. that's true my son loves liquid death and he got me into it too and i'm like okay um so first question because you've already gone through a lot of our previous questions so i want to ask you this what is your favorite slasher horror book like your favorite one that's slasher themed oh books mm. yeah I'm not sure. I shouldn't be blanking. This should be a pretty easy one. I'm not sure how many slasher books I've actually read. I think I'm going to have to go with um, My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. 
Oh, wow. Sort of a slasher homage type thing. I like it. What is your least favorite werewolf book that you've ever read? Okay, she's like the I like this. I'm not sure I could even give an answer. I think probably I've only read good werewolf books. Um, I don't know. I'm doing very poorly on this. That's okay. You're. It's not. It's not like you get points and you get tested on it later. What is something? So, because of loving the horror tropes and stuff, what is something that will completely make you be done with a horror story? Like you're like, this is stupid. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I think probably like, not writing, but reading. When you're reading a horror story, what is something that will make you be like, eh? I think really, if it's just too generic, if it assumes that you don't know that the guy is a werewolf, even though you're reading a werewolf book, and it's like, what could cause these murders? And then you're a third of the way into it, and there's still, my God, he was torn up, torn apart as if by a wolf. I wonder what that could be. And the book doesn't recognize that you know what you're reading because you picked up a horror novel called Werewolf Moon or whatever. So. That's fair. That's How fair. How the moon? Wonder what that could be. Weird. Um, what about your favorite? <coughs> I'm going to ask this twice. So this one is just your favorite um, horror book to movie or TV show. What what one do you think they did well? I think my favorite is still uh, Misery, Stephen King's, because it's one of my favorites of his books. But I think the movie did an amazing job of just condensing it without losing anything and taking moments that were too gory in the book and making them even better. Like in the book, she chops his foot off with an ax. And, you know, well, Rob Reiner's not gonna do that in his, you know, big budget Hollywood movie. So they made it even worse with the hobbling. And yes. they turned a scene that was basically toned down. You know that they were sitting there thinking, okay, that's too gory. What can we do to make this more palatable to the mainstream movie going public? And the sledgehammer is a million times more disturbing than the ax. So I think Misery and, you know, of course, Kathy Bates is incredible in it. So I think Misery is, you know, a fantastic book that I think they did even better as a movie. What about a non-horror one where you love the book and what they did with the TV show or the movie was perfect, even graphic novels? Let me think. Again, this should be really easy, but- um, I, I, If it was Val, I'd know why she was messing it up right now because she was just talking to her cup. So that's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been chugging this water. Maybe it's maybe it's not just water. Maybe the liquid <laughs> death part. Not be. We, we might be putting it to the test now. <laughs> I, I wish I had a more obscure answer. I think that um, Hunger Games, the book was fantastic and the movie it does a really, really good job. That's one of my favorites. It's okay. You don't you don't have to be obscure on that. It's, right, I think you games. did a very good job with that. I love the book Hunger Games and I love the movie Hunger Games. What about now? Here's the reverse. What um, horror film? I just like because you're such a great horror author. What horror um, book do you think that they made the movie or the TV show and they just completely um, loused it up? Yeah. Let me think. Like the good parts are missing. 
again, this, this is, there have been so many bad ones. I'm trying to like, okay, easy one. This goes way back. Uh, Dean Koontz's Watchers. One of, at the time, it was my favorite book ever. Still, you know, one of the ultimate horror classics. And the movie is garbage. It's like they took everything that was good about the book and just made it into a terrible, you know, direct-to-video Corey Hay movie. So, no, you know what? One of the ones that I heard that was um, recently that I forgot about was Sleepwalkers. Sleepwalkers is pretty bad. Sleepwalkers, I saw with an audience like opening night that was really into it, not necessarily from it being a good movie, but just very reactive. So I probably don't have the disdain for Sleepwalkers that I probably should. Well, if you saw it with a good audience and stuff, I just remember watching it and going, what is this? This is not the the Stephen King movie. What the hell is this? You know, that was weird. Okay. Um, Val, do you have a question that you've thought of that you can ask Jeff and not the cup? Jeez, uh, <laughs> just put a target on my back. Um, let's see. Oh, since you like to incorporate comedy, who is your favorite comedian? A stand-up comedian, my favorite, is actually a friend of mine, uh, Nick Griffin. Ooh. And he's just, his stuff is absolutely hilarious i've seen him several times he you know tours he's been on i guess letterman is no longer but he's been on the whole talk show circuit and i believe his website is nickgriffin.net but you can also nick griffin comedian and he's got several specials you can see him on youtube you can buy his albums his stuff is really really funny there's a comedian. I don't even know if he's touring anymore. I've seen him live a few times and he's got kind of a horror vibe to his stuff. And Don Reese, who is really good. I'm not sure if he is still performing, but Don Reese is great. And then a lot of, you know, Emo Phillips, hilarious. A lot of the mainstream guys I like a lot, but I'm going to give Nick Griffin as my final answer. Now, flipping it the other way, what comedians did you dislike? feel like I achieved a thing. Why, why are we flipping that the other I way? Don't know. I'm curious because it shows what comedy he enjoys and which comedy he doesn't. Like everyone loves um what's his face? Oh, <laughs> the brain the brain it's not it's not coming to me. It's oh uh, literally the cable guy. Like everyone finds him like super funny, but I find him not so funny. But I do like Jeff Foxworthy. So I don't know. I like how you just went full redneck, like in your comedy choices. I grew up as a redneck, so when they tell jokes, I see my family, okay? <laughs> like, I've seen these things happen. Jeff, I'm not going to make you answer that question. You don't have to call <laughs> a comedian unless you want I will to. say, I don't dis, I'm not going to say he's my least favorite comedian. I say as far as popular comedians who do nothing for me, Dane Cook is kind of like, hmm. He's okay. Well, he's got called out a lot for stealing materials, so it's he's not super duper funny. But generally, I'm not subjected to comedians that I don't enjoy unless it's at a comedy club, in which case I don't remember their names because they're obscure. You know, when I go to a comedy club, it's not going to you know a big, huge theater to see some big name guy. It's hey, let's go to the small club where I haven't heard of any of these people. Let's just see who these 
people are. So if they suck, I don't walk out of it saying, oh, this comedian's one of the worst comedians I've ever seen because I don't remember the name. So there are comedians who I could describe their acts and as how bad they were, but I couldn't name them to answer an interview question because those are those names are long forgotten. That's okay. I, I if I had known what she was going to say, I would have somehow hit that. No, she would have right. you know, If I'm not enjoying it, because there are plenty of comedians where I don't like their stuff, but in the world of unlimited entertainment at your fingertips, I don't have to say, well, I've started this one. I'm going to see it through for the next 55 minutes. It's like, oh, if, if I'm two minutes into it and I haven't laughed yet, that's yeah. not how stand-up comedy works. So I'm going to move on to the next thing. Yeah, okay. that's fair. Okay. Are you good, Val? Can you contain it? You, you ask questions. I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not in the right mind to be asking questions, apparently. I, I think you're adorable. So if you could be any um, main character in a book, but you have to follow their storyline, who would it be? In any book ever written? Any book ever written, but you have to live their life. I don't know, maybe one of the characters in my book, Bang Up, since it's a smut novel and they, they do all right. <laughs> like you think, well, That's Harry right. Potter went through a lot. I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna be a Stephen King character. It's gotta be, you know, most, if you're in a book, it's usually because bad stuff happened to you. And even though you came out all right at the end, it, it's a good book means that you went through a lot of bad stuff. So I'm, I'm gonna go for the smut novel. <laughs> What about sidekick? Who would you choose as your sidekick? Any book? Um, I'm going to say Katniss Everdeen because she would have my back. And I don't know what kind of book I was in. You know, I might not need her services, but it's good to know that they're available. I like it. If you could be any paranormal creature, what would you be? A ghost. Oh, wow. Like a ghost or a poltergeist? No, yeah. poltergeist is kind of a jerk. I would be a ghost where you could, you know, help people too. Very poltergeist nice. is just like, oh, I'm going to knock over your can of liquid death, but... Like a cat. A ghost, <laughs> right. A ghost, I could, you know, <laughs> help people solve their problems on the real world while I try to complete the unfinished business that was keeping me on this plane of existence, so... Yeah, very cool, very cool. Do you um, read your reviews still with 50 books under your belt? Do you still go in and, yeah. yeah. What do you get from reading your reviews at this point? A lot of time entertainment value. I get social media reach because if I share a review that says, you know, Jeff Strand's new book is a delightfully entertaining and suspense-filled romp, no one cares. But if it's like, what is wrong with this guy? He's mentally ill, then it gets all kinds of stuff. So I always on the lookout for entertaining bad reviews that I can share. And, you know, I just, I like to know what people think. I'm not, I, I'm not putting out review books saying, you know, I wrote it just for myself. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I care very much what other people think. So, you know, I definitely, I don't, you know, I pretty much stick to Amazon because I don't want to spend all day reading reviews. Goodreads can be kind of depressing because, they There's tend a, to be a little bit harsher than Amazon for some reason. 
So like if I see one star reviews on Goodreads, the first thing I do is I click on that person's profile. And if everything they've reviewed is a one to two star, then they're just hunting to down, bring someone down. Yeah, during. those are fun. I have had those where you get one star and you're like, really one star? And then you click, it's like one star, one star, one star, one star, one star. Yeah, it's just someone who's purposely raining on parades. But no, I do, you know, I've got, um, Amazon has the author central thing set up where it just pulls up your most recent review. So once a day I go in and all right, let's see what they said today. What is your, the funnest review you've ever gotten? One that thoroughly entertained you that you still think about? Well, I've actually got a trophy. It's downstairs for um, the one star review challenge, which was at a convention called Nikon. And they had a game show sort of thing where a group of authors went up on stage and you had to identify your own one star reviews. So they would read a quote from a review and then you had to say, oh, that was mine. And then, so I won, I've got the trophy for that. That is amazing. So, so you think, recognize all your one star reviews. Yeah. And so I think my, the one that has entertained me the most was for Wolf Hunt and it was basically, how is this even a real book by a real author? I don't think so. <laughs> so it was, Basically, that the book was so bad that they didn't see how it even qualified as a real book. Wow. 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 Okay. Well, but I, there's stuff like back to back Wolf Hunt reviews. One said, This book has some of the best dialogue I've ever read in a book. And then the review that same day, This book has some of the worst dialogue I've ever read in a book. And it really shows that readers are biased. Like, my one of my favorite one-star reviews I've gotten is someone complaining about how sleeping with Sasquatch feels like it's about the other woman in a romance who's only thinking about sex <laughs> I think we missed the premise thank you, thank you for coming up to the party <laughs> I'm like someone's gonna read this and be like oh hell yeah this is the book I'm looking for which to me means it's a good one star <laughs> like if it reveals what the book is or something I've done intentionally, then I've done my job. Hey, they gave you money. That's how I figure all of these reviews. I don't want the reviews where it says over and over again that I switch tenses and it's very confusing. I don't want that review. I don't want a review oh, yeah. telling me there's misspelling throughout the entire thing. No, but other than that, like I, one of the first reviews I ever got was a bad review and it was, you know, saying that I promoted suicide. And I was like, did she actually read the book? But then I was like, well, she gave me money, so it's fine. And then she spent the time. It was a short story collection, not my own. I was in a short story collection. And she wrote a review of every single short story and only liked one of them. And what was funny is the one that she liked was the one the rest of us authors who were in it were like, it, I, I ended up talking to the editor and she told me because it was supposed to be um, a uh, 10,000 word story. The person had turned in the story at 30,000 words and the editor had to go and parse down the story and get it to the best story she could because it was three times the size it was supposed to be. And it was very confusing. It was part of a bigger book the person was writing. And that was the one story the person liked. And I was like, Okay, cool, 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 cool. That's who that person is. Love you. You know, 
Yeah. Um, what is the weirdest question you've been asked when you've been on a panel by fans? Oh, geez. I get a lot. I do a lot of uh, school visits. So I talk to middle school students. So you get weird questions. My favorite one is always, it's all, inevitably, someone will be, you know, right? So how much money do you make? And then the teacher, we talked about this. That question is inappropriate. <laughs> that always pops up. And the teacher always scolds them for it. <laughs> for as weird yeah. as the stuff I write, I don't get a whole lot of truly weird questions. I don't get the, you know, was, was that decapitation real? You know, I don't get the really creepy, weird fans. It's kind of strange. Probably because... I think of the humor element, which keeps people from thinking that I'm writing from experience. But I don't get that much like, man, that was a bizarre question. I get the questions where are really simple questions, like what's your least favorite werewolf book? And I'm my mind goes blank and I don't know. But see there, Erica, you're the one who's asked the weirdest question. I am fine with that. That's a normal question that my mind goes blank on. So. Yeah, no, I will take that moniker in a heartbeat. Weirdest question asked. No problem. Um, what, is, what is a good weird food combination for you, Jeff? What is a weird food combination that you eat that people would think is interesting? I don't know. I post a lot. People think I eat nothing but junk food. I would say if anybody followed you on Facebook and stuff, it appears that you eat nothing but junk food. Right. Just for it's like, well, that's because that's what I post about. I'm not gonna, if I have a salad for lunch, it's not like, hey, everyone, I certainly had a delightful garden salad with a light vinaigrette. It's like, no, when I have the burger topped with, you know, you know, pulled pork or whatever, that's when it's picture worthy. So yeah, people think that I just gorge myself on junk food. It's like, no, I just, when I do, that is much more worthy than a healthy treat. But I don't, I, I agree. I don't know that I go that weird. I guess um, one of the weirdest things I've had, which actually sounds weird now that I'm saying it out loud, was um, chicken and waffles, except that there was also a layer of macaroni and cheese between the chicken and waffles. So that was... I feel like that would be really yummy. I remember the first time I saw chicken and waffles and my initial instinct was like, what? And then I was like, wait, I need wait. to try. Yeah, the brain has the process, the food combo. And you're like, wait a second. Now that you mentioned that. That's what happened to me exactly. It was like chicken and waffles, that's crazy talk. And then I didn't realize that it's actually a pretty common combination. It's like, oh, it's actually really easy to find. But ants delicious. They go together perfectly. But I tend to not do a lot of the you know weird combinations. I'll do weird foods. I'll you know, look, it's Mountain Dew flavored you know Cheetos. But as far as the that's not a real thing for people who are listening right now. Don't try to go find Mountain Dew flavored Cheetos right now. Oh, you think it's not a real thing? It is a real thing. It was a Japanese import. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm just saying they're not going to go down to 7-Eleven and no, find. You're not going to go down to 7-Eleven, but no, Mountain Dew flavored Cheetos exist. It was an import from Japan. They're not particularly good, but <laughs> they have like, not to the level of Pop Rocks, but it's like a lightly carbonated texture. So it kind of tingles a little bit. It, so it- I, I don't know how I feel about this. 
And I oh. eat a lot of weird food combos. I feel like this question was designed because of my snackage, but. So they're. they're Do not they have caffeine on them? Hmm? That's, that's what I want to know. Do they have caffeine and sugar on them? I don't believe so. No, I'm not I sure. Wanna... Yeah. The ingredients were in Japanese, so I can't say for sure. I just was like, no, that's not very good, but that's kind of cool that it's got that very mild carbonated kind of thing going on. What is your favorite snack while you're writing? Generally uh, candy. So, you know, I like Mike and Ike's sour, any kind of sour candy I'm all in on. If it's not candy, then it is pistachios. Oh yeah. Very cool. Pistachios. Yeah, no, very cool. Okay, have you thought of a question, Valerie, at all? No, no I, I figured you took my, you revoked my question. My my question. Okay, here we go. Do you listen to music or develop playlist when you write? No, I can't. I get, I pretty much need silence when I write. So every once in a while, if I'm doing like, if all I'm doing is skimming for typos, I might have some music on. But if I'm writing or editing, I can't have music. So it just distracts distracts me. So no, I write to the sounds of silence. Silence. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Um, so what was my next question? I, I don't I know. I had a little bit of vodka. It's Softball one. It was really easy. One. Yeah. No, that's terrible. Um, oh, oh, yeah. What is, um, oh my gosh. Then I lost <laughs> it again. That was cool. I feel, I feel like I rubbed off. What did what you just that? do? I don't what even know. <laughs> What were you thinking no, before thinking, that? But it's really going to be a hard question. So it's not going to be a hard question. I don't come up with hard questions and stuff like that. So you said you write flash fiction, um, and that's your latest book, which we're going to do same self promotion again in a moment here. But um, I think it's really interesting because you write flash fiction, you write short stories, you write full length novels. When you started writing, was any of that difficult? Because I know a lot of like I just told the story of the short story that was submitted for 10,000 words that the person submitted 30,000 words and then said I cut it down and I was like how how long was that to begin with right <laughs> so was any of that difficult uh starting out I would do the thing that lots of beginning writers do which is you get a good way into a novel and then you come up with an even better idea so it's like, well, I'm going to start on this other idea. Then you get, and then it's like, no, wait, this other idea is even better. And so you keep getting distracted by shiny objects. And then you have tons of um, half-finished projects. And so I had to get out of that where it's like, no, you have to finish it. Or else all you have is a half-finished book, which doesn't do any good, as opposed to a completed book, which might be garbage, but at least you finish something. So in terms of um, just seeing it through to the end, novels were harder. I was never intimidated by it. It was never like, oh man, I could never write a full-length novel. I always had the confidence that I could do it, but I would always get distracted and, you know, oh no, this other idea is way better. I should be writing that instead. So. Well, that makes sense. And then um, do you have a story graveyard? Oh yeah. I actually have a file. I've got one, I've got a couple of boxes that are just filled with printouts of unpublished stuff and then i've got a file on my computer that is labeled the graveyard of abandoned books which is just it's so hard to just get rid of them completely 
Like, I've, yeah, I've, I don't throw uh, the stuff away. And sometimes no, no. It's, most of it is not stuff where I'm like, well, this isn't working. A lot of it is just stuff where I did the three chapters pitch and mm -hmm. the editor didn't go for it. He's like, well, I'm not going to go back to it then. So I have a lot of first three chapters type stuff. Do you ever go back in and look and go, I'm going to pull this out or it's gone when it's gone there? Every once in a while, I will go back and look at it, but it's actually very rare that it gets rescued. Usually it's like, eh, that was an idea I had three years ago and I'm not excited about it anymore, so. Well, that makes perfect sense. Okay, last question and then shameless self-promotion time. What advice would you give to authors out there? Uh, my advice to new authors is don't be scared of practice books. Because one of the things about self-publishing is that you can write your first novel and you can have it up for sale in 12 hours. And a lot of people don't realize that it's okay to write a terrible first book and never publish it. Because in the olden days of yore, you didn't have a choice. You would write a bad book, it would get rejected, and you'd have to write a better book. Now you don't really have that. You can write as, you know, publish anything you write. So new writers shouldn't you know it's not abnormal to write a book that isn't any good it's like sports and musical instruments where you don't start playing football and are immediately great at it you don't pick up the clarinet and immediately start making beautiful music you have to practice and it's the same thing with writing so it's okay to write a 300 page book and say this isn't publishable i'm not gonna do anything with it it's gonna stay in a hard on my hard drive and never get published so that is totally fine don't be scared of that and for new writers you know just a dumb little trick for self-editing is change the font yes my it's biggest nice problems is that you see what you meant and not what you wrote and if you change the font it helps diminish that where you're actually seeing what you wrote and your brain isn't correcting mistakes for you very very cool no that's very true i, I tell that to people or put it on a different place if you're used to looking at it on a computer maybe do a tablet i don't want to recommend printing it out anymore because i feel that's environmentally not great so don't do that but figure out a way to look at it differently look at it on your phone something change, change the font change the size change the spacing and and trick your brain another feature that i usually recommend is read it out loud to yourself or use uh, a lot of people don't realize this that microsoft word has a read out loud option and let the computer read it to you because with it being sort of disjointed, you're going to be paying attention in a different way. Yep. Yeah, she'll be like, what did I just say? <laughs> okay, Jeff, shameless self-promotion. Uh, my latest book is called Freaky Briefs, 75 flash fiction stories, horror comedy with a generally more with an emphasis on the comedy. So, and you can find me at www.jeffstrand.com. Awesome. Thank you for coming back on the show with us. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Love having you here. This has been Drinking with Authors, our literary briefs edition. Um, don't forget, you've got us in your hand or right in front of you. Like and subscribe, and you can leave us a review because we made it all the way through. And Valerie really wants to hear how you felt about her presentation during this particular episode. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> my host has been the ever wonderful Valerie Lane. Oh, oh my God, I just saw oh, Valerie Willis. <laughs> Oh my. Oh, uh, no more elderberry orange vodka for you, man. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's not been good. Um, Skunk Brothers Spirits, Kubunko DWA10. And our guest has been the amazing Jeff Strand. And we will see you guys next time. Woo! The ESO Network is proud to announce that our official charity this year is Pops for Patients, a toy donation cause that collects, donates, and distributes Funko Pop figures to children's hospitals all year round. They have donated tens of thousands of Pops since they started in August of 2016. That's a lot of much-needed smiles to sick kids across the country. For more information on how you can help contribute, go to popsforpatients.org. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.